Hello and welcome to the podcast series, A Burden for the Times, a conversation on culture and race. I'm your host, Adrian Burden, and I'm with my brothers, Aaron and Anton, to tackle some crucial topics in order to have some clarifying conversations about race. Hello and welcome to a special edition of the podcast. Typically, it is my brothers and I having a conversation, but today it's just Adrian, the host, and I look forward to talking to you about this matter of colorblindness and the idea of muting ethnic differences. Now, as we get ready to dive into the topic, because it's me doing it solo, I definitely want to respect your time, and I want to make sure that the content that I'm providing is something that will be helpful and useful, and I will definitely be taking a very hard biblical look at this idea. First, let's begin in talking about colorblindness and what I mean by that statement. I understand the reality of colorblindness being a positive in the sense that you see people that you're going to treat everybody equal, and that is going to be your main goal going forward. You don't see it doesn't affect job opportunities for a person because truly you are colorblind. However, with any statement that I do not find in scripture and with any statement that is used so often to be able to say a positive, and sometimes, unfortunately, though, I do believe that is sometimes understood as a negative. And for me, I want to talk about the negative side to which I see and to be able to be careful in how not only we use the phrase, but how we interact with this phrase. Because many times I hear colorblind people say the following statements. They'll say things like, you know, we, um, as far as ministry are concerned, they'll say statements like, well, we just preach the gospel. We don't really care about color. And or statements like, you know, the whole idea of race and culture is really a hyped up thing. And if we would just hush our mouths about it, then it would eventually just go away. Or statements like, you know, there's not a prejudice bone in my body. So I'm colorblind since and, and using the colorblind tagline to be able to give themselves an immunity badge of any type of sin that could be labeled as prejudice or statements like, hey, don't get um, distracted from the main thing by talking about color and race because you should be colorblind. Now, understand the reason why I say and kind of push back to the idea of colorblind is because I consider it to be a gospel issue. And I'm going to explain that in more depth in just a little while. Yes, there's the idea that, yes, obviously we should love our neighbor and we should treat all people the same. But I do not believe that God wants us to have an idea of where ethnicities and the uniqueness about ourselves is then to be able to press the mute button on. Our distinctions are to be celebrated. They're not to be obliterated. You see, the differences that we have make us different and it makes us unique. And we praise God for those differences, not just going out and trying to hide them. So all the statements that I hear many times colorblind issues raise is the statements that either there is no problem or that we have no responsibility to that problem. And that is why I want to talk about it a little bit more in depth. And I'm going to look in the book of Ephesians to be able to have an understanding of why I consider this to be a gospel issue and why this is important for us to unpack. If you would oblige me, I'm going to read Ephesians 1 verses 15 through 19, where the Bible says this, wherefore I also, after I've heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and love unto all the saints, 
cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation, the knowledge of him. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened and um, that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches, the glory of the inheritance in the saints and what his is the exceeding greatness of his power to us who believe according to the working of his mighty power. Now, I want to give a background of what's taking place here in Ephesus and why I believe this passage is so key and helps us understand in this matter specifically about ethnic muting. Now, Ephesus. This is a church that we have so much information about in scripture. I would even argue to say that we have the most information about one single church. It was started in the book of Acts. You can read the beginning of it. And then in first and second Timothy, it addresses the leadership that is there in Ephesus and first, second, third John. You see letters that are written to specific people in Ephesus, the book of Ephesians, the entire book written to the church of Ephesus. The book of the revelation even includes a separate little letter. That's to be given to the church of Ephesus. We know a lot about this church. And because of that, you understand that the community in that church was a very interesting community that came together. Before the gospel came into that community, what you had were pagan temple worshipers. We're talking cult prostitution. It was just an absolute, just disastrous mess of what could be considered to be a religious act. And on the other side, you had a devout Jewish community, Judaizers, those who believed you had to obey the strictest versions of the law to obtain grace of the Lord. So you have, as far as culturally speaking, you don't get more opposite. People who lived in polygamy and lived in just absolute immorality. And then on the other side, people who are keeping the law and both of them thinking that they were appeasing the higher power by what they were doing. Then the gospel comes into their life. It totally changes their entire life story. It, it changes everything. You have these Judaizers who thought, I got to do, I got to be, get to do all this. And then they realize, no, the work has been done. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. These people over here, who are living this absolute immoral lifestyle, hear the gospel, it reshapes everything. And what you have is people who are culturally different, ethnically different in every way, coming together as one and seeing how the gospel changes everything in these individuals' life. So if you were looking at it from just a bystander in Ephesus, you had two groups of people initially. You had the people on one side who were the Judaizers. You had on the other side a group of people who were the pagan worshipers. Now a third category comes in. It's the church. It's these born again believers now. And so now we have three different categories of people that are in this city here at Ephesus. And what Paul is doing, he's writing a letter from prison, which is no surprise. He's done it often. And as he's writing this letter, 30 years later, after the beginning, approximately, as far as 30 years later, he's writing to this church in Ephesus this book here of Ephesians. And one of the things he makes clear is this, and this is one of the 
reasons that I believe that you find that colorblindness or just muting the ethnic differences is number one, it denies the obvious fact that ethnic and cultural unity is rare. In verse 15, he says, look, I heard of your faith in Lord Jesus Christ and the love unto all saints and cease not to give thanks for you. What he's saying is, look, this is amazing. I can't stop talking about this. This is incredible that you have found a way. The gospel got into your hearts and you are able to be able to have love unto all the people that are there. He realized how different they were. He realized they had nothing in common. You see, in our society today, the things that make us unique is what kind of draws us to another group of people. There's a reason if you become a Hilton's Honor Diamond member and can go to the special events, you do that because you go near people who are like you in some way. Why is Delta Sky Club such a, a huge draw for business people? Because when you go there, there's a certain level of just um, professionalism, uh, a certain level of clientele that you're willing to not only pay for the snacks and food, yes, but you're paying for the environment because you're paying for people who you perceive are like you in some way. And, and so the thing is, is where do you find a poor man and a rich man hanging out? Where else do you find people who are ethnically different just chilling together? You see, this is happening in the church. You realize this is rare. They don't have anything in common. They don't have to believe the same politically about how government is run. They don't have to believe politically, I mean, not even politically, but just economically and socially how things are being done. They just believed in the commonality of the gospel. And what you find is something something amazing which that ethnic and cultural unity coming together. And if we are colorblind, if we say that these things are just should be muted, if we say the statement, well, if we just stop talking about race, then it will go away. No, 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 no. This is not the answer. The answer is that we notice the color and the gospel changes our thinking that we can love somebody who's not only a different color, but ethnically different and culturally different in every way. This is an amazing truth that you find in the beginning, but keep going in the passage and you see this. Number one, it denies, colorblindness will deny the obvious fact of ethnic and cultural unity. And then, is rare. And then secondly, it will make my life the normative and reduce the opportunity to address concerns made by sin. And that takes a little explanation, but let me show you what I mean and unpack this truth. It says that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, in verse 17, the Father of glory may give unto you the spirit of wisdom. So what he's saying is, God, I need wisdom. Okay, Lord, we need wisdom in this. And the revelation and knowledge of him and understanding the Lord, we need his wisdom his help. And it says this, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened. So he's asking them now that enlightening the eyes isn't necessarily that you are blind and now you can see. It's the idea that the things I see, I can now see them differently. You see, what this is doing is when I'm colorblind, I'm kind of settling in the fact that I am good where I am. Like, I don't need to know more about different ethnicities. I do not need to know more about different cultures because I'm good. And if 
In what aspect is blindness ever okay? By the very definition of saying then that colorblind is inside of my normal just activity into which I feel I can brag on, then what I'm saying is that there are parts that I cannot see and will not see. You see, because now I need my eyes to be enlightened. Now, no matter how we cut the pie, though, somebody's life circumstances has to be the baseline of how culture works. Culture is a representation of people. This is not just a faceless and nameless thing that we can vilify. Culture is the habits of people. So somebody's habits then are going to surface to the top which would mean that those in the majority culture would be the ones that would be able to dictate what kind of culture then is okay and not okay if you dominate in that space. Hence, you can then look at subcultures and many times say, hey, look, this is not right because it's not part of our cultural norm. Hence, I make the statement, if we don't have our eyes enlightened, it makes my life the normative and it reduces the opportunity to address concerns made by sin. You say, Adrian, you're talking now made by sin. Well, yes, because if I then don't take time to listen to another person's ethnic differences because I choose to be blind to them, then I will never know when I have blind spots of sin in my life to be able to correct those things. So not acknowledging the difference means that by default, the majority culture wins in this space. Hence, we can make statements, there's not a prejudiced bone in my body because we've chosen to be blind. That So that makes statement then makes sense to the colorblind person because it just that makes that is okay of a statement. But I beckon any person who wants to defend it, the fact of being colorblind is what other sin would we dare ever say that it is okay that we don't have that bone in our body? If I made the statement on the podcast, hey, I don't have a lying bone in my body, not a one. That, that that doesn't even exist. Well, that doesn't make sense. We all know that's an untrue statement. That's arrogant at best to say that I don't have a lying bone in my body. Well, what's the difference of then saying I don't have a prejudice bone in my body? This is the idea. This is a sin. And we're saying that we have no struggle with it. We have no battling of the flesh inside of this. And this is wrong for us to come to these conclusions. Lastly, and which is the most important to me, is I mentioned a bold statement at the beginning. As I was going through, I said that, hey, colorblindness, to say that ethnically things should be mute is, is also a gospel issue. And let me explain what I mean by a gospel issue. In verse 18 and 19, it continues and said, that ye may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints and what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe according to the working of his mighty power. So I believe that as you see this played out, 
Paul not only is saying, wow, this is incredible. You're coming together. And he's saying, look, your eyes have been enlightened to these things because of the knowledge of God. But you understand the power of the gospel. He says, this is your inheritance of the saints. This this is part of what the gospel is all about. Many times the gospel is vertical, where God then reconciles himself to man, which is the awesome part of the gospel that I am going to tell till my dying breath and I travel this country and world to make sure people know. But I do not want to demean the power of the gospel. And as it speaks to what it then does for each other, we need to be reconciled to each other. Sinners just don't naturally come together in unity. The gospel breaks those things that make the differences that we have and bring us together in a unified state for a unified mission. If you do not think that we do not need unity as people, then I beg you to read the book of Genesis and see the very first family of Adam and Eve and Cain and Abel. And you realize that, look, we are broken left to ourselves. We do not naturally get along. We all have pride. We want our situation. We want our current, whatever we believe to be right, to be affirmed. And many times when that does not happen in a society, then suddenly pride steps in and then the gospel power is demeaned because part of our inheritance is, is that groups of people that have nothing in common except for Jesus then can come together. Now, the question I ask, though, in this matter, because some people are saying, or yes, sir, I believe that we should reconcile. But I'm going to ask a hard question. How many cross-cultural relationships do you have that are not paternalistic? The idea is you're the one that is in control. You're the one that, you know, the father figure, the hero, the situation, kind of like the missionary complex of going to another place and you're the hero, but they don't see people as equals. You see, Unity is not uniformity. It's not just assimilation. Be kind. Hey, you can join my church, ethnically different person. And as you join my church, you better assimilate to what we are like and what we do. Accommodation says that, look, we can have unity and it is not dependent upon you just assimilating to look like me. Your cultural distinctions distinctions are a blessing and are a blessing that can be added to the body of Christ. It's not just saying, you know what? I want your color, but I don't want your culture. It, it doesn't say stuff like that. You see, it means it wants to embrace the gifting of a different ethnicity the gifting of a different culture. It wants people not just for the sake of putting their face on the website to prove that they are ethnically diverse and tokenizing the individual, but actually is I don't want you just in my pews. I want you in the pulpit. I I want you to have leadership responsibility. You see, if you do not have this feeling of colorblindness, then forgive me, you then must find people that have those different ethnic looking, they have to be the right color to say the very same things you want to be said. So you have to find a face or a person then that will say these colorblind ethnic muting statements and then use them to be your sounding board then to be able to make bold statements of how you understand culture and race. So here then is my question. 
for somebody who wants to use a very conservative black figure to be able to make the statements, okay, is if you find that in your life you have come to the position that you really want to have more of an impact in a death, different ethnic group, okay, you want to have more of an impact in a society, and so you go for help, and so you look for a person who matches that ethnic background. So somebody who is black in this case to be able to represent this thought, to, to help you understand this thought process. If they give you information and it affirms the information you already know, then take two minutes and just think to yourself. You just were having a conversation in your soul that you were not doing a good job. Yet this person is affirming that the same practices you have is, is what the truth is. Something might not be right. I'm not saying what it is is wrong, but I'm saying something might be uh, not cool in this sake because wouldn't you then, if you feel you have an issue in an area and are not reaching groups of people effectively, wouldn't you think that you would want to hear something just a scotch uncomfortable, something that would then push your thinking, not saying that you're going to agree wholeheartedly, but it would make you at least think to yourself, hold up, like I still... I have just literally gone and I've searched this out and they're saying I do the need to do nothing different. And I came to this person because I felt I needed to do something different. I am just pointing out that it could be that we might need to be challenged in this area of color blindness, ethnic muting. Not the positive of what many people say of colorblindness, of treating people equally in that regard, but to just say that these things do not matter. Let's move on with our life. Just preach the gospel and move on. I believe, yeah, preach the gospel, but let's clarify, preach the vertical gospel and let's also preach the horizontal gospel. Let's preach it as one brother to another, that the gospel can reconcile us, that we don't have to have a ton in common except the Lord Jesus Christ to bring us then together. I always, as the podcast always go, we this is a lot of information. And just so I review very quickly, what is my beef, I guess you could say, with colorblindness. Well, I believe it denies the obvious fact that ethnic and racial unity is racial unity is rare. Then also it makes one person's culture normative and reduces the opportunity to address the concerns made by sin if we don't realize that prejudice is even a problem in the discussion because we are hence blind to it. Then lastly, it demeans the power of the gospel. It demeans not only the vertical power of the gospel, but also the horizontal power of the gospel. We don't want to leave you hanging. Concluding thoughts that I hope will be a help is I first believe that we need that if we're going to break some of these bonds of colorblindness, let's speak specifically to the black community. If white to black, black to white, I, I would encourage somebody who's listening, if you're a Christian and you read theology books, try to listen to sound theology of people of a different ethnicity than you. When you think about it, if you've never listened to a black author on an audiobook or you've never read a book by a white author and you're a black listener, there, there could be a problem. You might not be seeing the full picture of the entire body of Christ that I believe brings forth the entire glory of God. 
And also, I would also encourage to build cross-cultural relationships. You know, it seems so can to do to have these conversations and, and let you let me understand that just yesterday I was having these conversations inside of my own life as a for some of you you know that our family travels to Central America for three months out of the calendar year as we do travel um, learning Spanish and having um, Latino relationships is very important to us just the other day I was outside staring at a group of kids in a neighborhood not far from where we live they were like, I guess during springtime, they've all come out. And I had no idea that there was that large of a Spanish speaking community that lived close to our house. And so I want to build relationships, but I don't know how. It is I'm going up and I'm thinking to my told my wife, well, I can ask them about pupusas and ask them about and, and use my Spanish that the little bit I do know that I can communicate to talk. And I was like, but I don't want them to feel that I've just subjected their entire culture to just a food like pupusas or tortillas or something like that. And so I, look, the battle is real for all of us, for us trying to build cross-cult relationships. But that does not mean we do not try. That does not mean that we just throw our hands up. Well, I could look stupid, so I'm not going to do it. No, I want my children to have relationships with different people, groups from all over the country. I want them to not just say, well, we're all just the same. Yes, we're the same in that respect. But no, their culture brings something to the table that we don't get you know, I love it. One of the things that my kids said the other day that I just was so grateful that I don't, they don't even know what they said, but they were making a statement about how we do something in the United States. And she was explaining one sister explaining to the other sister that, well, that's just how we do it. That's just how we as an America do it. It's not how everybody does it. She understands that just because we do it in America doesn't make it right. It doesn't make it that we are the final authority. It just means that that's just how we in America do it. Now, does it work well for us? Absolutely. But, but it doesn't mean that it's the only way to do something. And I believe that when we have multicultural relationships, it breeds inside of our kids that, hey, look, all the, all the cultures are just awesome and unique in their own incredible way. And this, this thought was given to me, I think this was from Preston Winkle, um, um, Sprinkle, I think I said his name wrong. <laughs> anyway, um, look in the show notes. Hey, you can see who I'm talking about. Theology in the Raw um, is, his, is what his podcast is, but he interviewed somebody and I love this statement. You cannot give away what you do not possess. So if you, if you don't have multi-ethnicity, you can't give it to somebody else. You can't give it to your kids. And if you don't, many pastors listen and ministry leaders and they say, well, Adrian, what then can a person do? Don't leave without hope. Well, the hope I want to leave is this, is that you're never going to have a multi-ethnic church if you're never a multi-ethnic person. Your church is not going to be multi-ethnic people if you're not going to be a multi-ethnic person yourself. I encourage to be able to reach beyond the lines and, you know, understand what color blindness, the effects it can have. I can understand the good, but let's always think through statements that we often commonly make and understand the full ramifications of what is happening there. Well, I, I hope that I did not confuse, but hopefully unpacking this truth in Ephesians 1 would be of help to many in understanding the dangers of colorblind, colorblindness and the ethnic muting of different cultures. 
We hope you join us next time. And Lord willing, my brothers and I will be all together as we discuss some issues concerning culture and race.